0: You are listening to Mining Stock Education, where you'll learn from the top leaders in the natural resource sector and uncover quality mining investment opportunities.
1: But the second rule, which cost me dearly last year, was you need to be mentally and financially prepared to lose part of all your capital. Just like you go in a casino, you go out for the day, you take a certain amount in your pocket, the machines or the tables take it from you, you leave and go, okay, you know, I had a good time, but book. And that's how you have to... Junior. So that way, if you do that, there's nothing to get mad at or, or at somebody that told you to buy the stock or whatever, because it's a risky situation.
0: Welcome back to Money Stock Education. I'm your host, Bill Powers, speaking today with Peter Grandich of PeterGrandich.com. That's his blog. Peter, you've been on Wall Street for quite a few years. Uh, you're a financial advisor, a market commentator, but you also speculate in junior mining stocks. Now, pre-recording, you told me that you disobeyed one of your golden rules of speculating in junior mining stocks, and that kind of led to a tough year last year for you. Uh, Could you share with us what didn't you obey of your own self-imposed rules,
1: and what was the consequence of that? Well, you can't see the stitches, but I had to get my head back on because I had my head handed to me last year, Bill. I've had two golden rules that I've spoken about because I believe if you follow them, junior resource stocks can then be a worthy speculation. The first is, listen, for every 10 juniors that are starting out, as honest and as hard as they may work, one or two will find a mine, develop it, and or sell it. The rest won't, doesn't even mean the eight that don't, the stock doesn't go up a lot, could do it. But in a sense, failure's the norm, you have to accept that, okay? But the second rule, which cost me dearly last year was, you need to be mentally and financially prepared to lose part of all your capital. Just like you go in a casino, you go out for the day, you take a certain amount in your pocket, the machines or the tables take it from you, you leave and go, okay, you know, I had a good time, but book the book. And that's how you have to junior. So that way, if you do that, there's nothing to get mad at or, or at somebody that told you to buy the stock or whatever, because it's a risky situation. You know, Bill, years ago, Wall Street use the word speculating because they didn't want to say what it really was, which is gambling. In gambling, you got to be prepared to lose part of all your capital. So if you get by those two, which I didn't last year, and it caused me not only financial anguish, but a lot of mental anguish, then I think the junior resource market, especially now, compared to what you and I discussed, there are some challenges for companies. But right now, where they're priced relative to the historic pricing and to the metals themselves, I don't remember them ever cheaper as a group in almost 40 years.
0: Peter, when you look back over your decades of uh, speculating in junior mining stocks, did you make more money
1: than you lost? Yeah, I would say I did, or else I'd be doing this from some cheap hotel somewhere as one room thing. But I had some unbelievable losses, and I left. You know, Another rule that I have generally that I I use in our financial planning businesses, it's not how much you're going to make. It's how much you don't lose, which is going to separate you from the winners from the losers. One of the mistakes that I made years ago, which I hope for what's ever left in my life, I don't again, is I left a lot on the table. You know, I had a 20 cent stock go to $2 and you don't think, but that's the same as a $2 stock going to 20, you know, 10 times, take something off, you know, and many times I bought them all the way up to that as well. So yeah, experience, uh, there were a lot of bad experiences, but like I just said earlier, this is a time now where I, for a lot of juniors, especially if anything that's past very early stage, they're very historically cheap.
0: So Peter, how can you see the opportunity now, yet also acknowledge the mistake of just the the year previous? Because a lot of people, once they get burned on mining stocks, they want nothing to do with it. I see it in the comment sections. Sometimes I get a message or people do a YouTube about how they hate mining stocks because they lost How are you able to reconcile what you did last year with the opportunity you see now?
1: It's a very good point, Bill. I I tell you what I tell the people that come in in financial planning because it works for junior mining as well. I get some well-to-do people done really well in real estate or small businesses. And they come in and they, when I was broke, they wanted to trade options. I said, what do you want to trade options for? I mean, you might as well hand your wallet to me, give me half the money and leave. At least you'll leave with something. And they would go, well, my friends, they make so much money in and I want to be with them. And I said, listen, You're making all sorts of money in real estate or the business. Stick there. The junior resource market is a speculative market. Okay, it should be minimally for entertainment if you're a very small amount and have some fun. But if you're very serious, there are ways to lessen that so you don't get that way. I have watched very well-to-do people not participate when there was opportunity to be in private placements, which is a a useful thing, especially when they offer half a warrant or a warrant. But in the end, you're going to have losses. And as What's-His-Name said in the first Wall Street movie, nothing bothers me more than losses. That's what Gordon Gekko Michael Douglas says. And it's true. And that's why, as you said, people invest, they lose and never touch it again. And they're missing an opportunity. I I think there's an opportunity now. I think by and large, we'll look and see something like the Canadian uh, Junior Index will go up a lot, which where a lot of the juniors are represented. I tell you this, I would risk that before I, I run into the general stock market at this point in time.
0: Peter, you said that speculation is essentially gambling. Do you believe you can invest if investing is based on probabilities and likely outcomes? Is
1: that possible in junior mining stocks? It is in the sense that, like I said, if you pass those first two rules, because what happens is where a lot of people get a costly, for me, is the emotional attachment. They don't have a real plan. I was telling you that in the days when I used to be the MC at the conferences, And some gentleman would come up or a lady and make a talk about a great stock and all. You can see the people run up. Not only did they buy it in their mind, but they've already spent the money they envisioned it going. So I think if you set parameters as an investor, yes, it's an investment, but it's more of a high risk investment than it would have been buying a utility stock or anything of that nature. And you had to be prepared for that golden rule that someone was just not going to work out no matter how good or hard the management is.
0: With the rise of the internet, do you think it's easier or more difficult for junior mining companies to share their story with investors?
1: Well, I think the industry itself, I've come back to it, Bill, after an absence for almost 10 years, and I've noticed a dramatic change in it. The changes are 10, 15, 20 years ago, both in Canada and the US, there were hundreds, if not thousands of brokers. We used to be called stockbrokers, then we changed the financial advisors. But you would build a book of business around retail stocks, and many people did it with juniors. So when they would come to a show or wherever they would meet them, if you got that man or woman interested, you got their two, three, 400 clients. Well, that's a dinosaur. There may be a couple left, but nobody's really running business to a retail brokerage paying $300 to buy a thousand shares of something when they can pay $5 for it at a discount broker. The other thing that happened for the junior that made it tougher is overregulation. Here in the U.S., we were talking about before, the you can't even deliver securities, even if it trades on, on the over-the-counter down here, let alone do they allow a solicited order. They don't even allow unsolicited orders anymore for a financial advisor. But the other thing, Bill, also is the American investment community treats the metals and minings like kryptonite. They're just into their world of stocks and bonds, and you talk about gold or anything of that nature. So it's it's more challenging now, I think, than ever. For a junior resource company uh, to get people interested. Now they resorted, like we discussed, to some web-based people that claim, hey, I have 80,000 people subscribe to my YouTube and all. And I guess their vision is that all 80,000, as soon as that CEO comes on, are all gonna run and buy the stock. And it turns out not to be the case. Uh, so it's it chal- It's more challenging. And of course, when the pandemic came, it really made it challenging until everybody became used to this now. because. There was no better way than go to a show, talk to the person, have them lay out the information on the company, et cetera, et cetera. It was more personable. It's still, you know, it's still for me as an older guy that used to be on this one-to-one relationship and had a pad and a pen. That was the due diligence how we did. It. We didn't do it with computers and everything. Uh, I think it's still a tougher time now for uh, a junior resource company to find shareholders.
0: Would you agree that junior mining companies need to engage uh, investors via social media, podcasts, YouTube, in order to reach them effectively? Because there is the perspective out there. Well, if you have a good project, it'll speak for itself. Uh, I'm not in that camp. I think if you have a good project, you need to tell everybody you know about that good project. Uh, What would be your take
1: here? Bill, we never spoke to each other till now, but if I could kiss you through this computer, I would.
0: (laughs) We're both married though, let's say too, right?
1: (laughs) So I own this company and I think for me, for myself, and I'm not even going to mention this, I don't want to think I'm trying to solicit them for anything, but I think it's the best company I ever invested in the metals and mining industry. And I think they have one of the best projects in the world today. And they don't promote in the way that I think they should promote. And they don't do the things like you just brought up. And then I have another company. It's a much more junior. It's, you know, it's got some JVs with some big companies, and so forth. And the CEO, if I had to write a book, how a CEO should be for a junior resource company, it's this gentleman because he does all the things. So you have to go out and use social media now. It's the norm. Even for the old folks, I've been called an old timer now. I can't. I, I I got really shocked when a young man called me an old timer. But it is a way to go about it. Uh, there is some returning back to conferences, but I think people have come very used to going through the computer now to do whatever they have to do. And and basically, all the companies have become socially media conscious. There's very few juniors that you'll say, man, they don't even have a, a Twitter account or something. They all have something like that now, and it's just a way of life.
0: Peter, I've never worked on Wall Street like you, but I've talked to a lot of people that have. Um, in your experience, how is Wall Street different than House Street in Vancouver or Bay Street in Toronto,
1: if you could? I can only speak for the U.S. financial service industry. I'm still in it, in a sense. I, you know, I have an insurance license. I work with this planning group. I've been around it. I feel that the U.S. financial service industry is overly optimistic on purpose. I coined them the don't worry, be happy crowd. And I've used this line that you can toss them off the top of the building and all the way down, they all say the same thing. Hey, so far, so good. And I can't say how they are in Canada right now. no. But in the United States, they're over optimistic. And how I know that is, percentage wise now, I think it's almost up to two thirds are in the business 15 years or less. So they really only experienced one financial crisis that didn't last long. And they were weaned on a one way street. What the Fed did all the The country creating trillions of dollars, bringing interest rates down to zero, put the pedal to the metal and don't fight the Fed and make money. And that's what they grew up with. And now they realize it's not only a two-way street, but they got to a traffic circle. And I don't know if you remember the first time when you drove when you got to a traffic circle and traffic was coming from different rays, They're kind of like gear in the headlights now. So what I would say down here, and I don't know if it would be the same in Canada because I don't have relations there anymore, But they're over-optimistic. They're surface in terms of educational. Like what you're doing, there are very few people, I would bet, and I only know you from this first meeting, but you probably have an understanding of mining, that there are even people that work in the mining business, but they're on the sales end. Don't go as to the depth of you do. And I think in the US, the financial service industry spends more time teaching them how to sell than to understand Finances. And if they did, I think people would have a better opportunity than they do now when they interact with these people.
0: And so, if you do have knowledge, then you may see see things differently than the herd. and that's what you've been doing, especially the last year. You were warning people that it wasn't all rosy, right?
1: Yeah, I had the attitude as I told you that a, the professional community was not experienced. I saw it in the crypto world where I really thought a lot of flack was, when Bitcoin was hitting 60 something thousand, I had not made comments. I just didn't like it because I didn't like the man that's still kind of a leader in it. I consider him a very bad person. Anyway, I go out on a Kiko interview and I I tell this thing about, I called it the tulip mania of the 21st century. I literally had a death threat. (laughs) That's how, but I knew then, but I also knew from experience, Bill, when people were that engrossed and I made a comment on a financial network, I hadn't done an interview in years on a network. And I said, Some of these young people that you're bringing on here as crypto experts, and there were all sorts of different coins and people represent, they're 21, 22. Yeah, they came a millionaire because they got in this thing early. But their biggest challenge up until now was algebra class just a few years ago in high school. I've been around the block. You got to learn a lot. So that atmosphere was just screaming for that. Well, we kind of got that way with stocks, too. Uh, People really thought it was a one-way street, and now they have a big problem. The average retirement account in the U.S., according to Fidelity, was down 24% last year, Bill. Add on 10 to 15% inflation, maybe for one or two years, you, you're looking at a serious, serious loss. And the people that are already retired, I live in a 55 and over community, they're hurting. They can't afford another 10 to 20% down because they also do this 4% thing where they take out what they need to live and then the market goes back up and makes for it. We have some challenging times, I know that's not in your area, but there's some real challenging times coming. Forgetting all the economic, social, political, just the way things are structured and how the financial service industry works, people are going to have a big challenge ahead of them here in the U.S.
0: Well, Peter, I take more of a top-down approach before I analyze a company bottom-up. So, I like to know where the macro uh, tailwinds and headwinds are going. So, if we do have a further downward trend in the general equities and people lose faith in the dollar and all of these things, and there's a rush to liquidity, what's going to happen to junior miners?
1: They get hit. People don't like to know that. They don't, you know, there used to be a guy, he's not around anymore for years. He was based out of Vancouver and he used to have his buying opportunities were based on the four seasons. So the winter was the worst time. If if the market's going into a winter stage, he would say everything is going to crash. And I used to say, yet he was up at the conference talking about you should buy this junior and all. There's just no way somebody's going to say, sell my Apple, sell my treasury bonds, but buy me this junior resource stock. It's just not going to happen that way. So unfortunately, if there's a more of a hard going down. I think it's going to be a grind down. That's why I'm not too worried about the juniors. But if there's a substantial sell off where people need liquidity, all bets are off because people will use whatever they can get their hands on to meet that liquidity. Mm.
0: If you're given a binary choice, gold or copper to invest in in a in a junior, which one would you go for?
1: Oh, that's a tough one because I'm attached to gold, but I like copper better. I copper has much better fundamentals and even the great fundamentals that are for gold now. The world has put its foot down, pedal to the metal on this electrification, which I think is still going to be a challenge because our electric grid system here in the U.S., where we have brownouts and blackouts now, what's it going to be like when all these people use electricity? And I like to joke Thomas Edison installed some of our electric grid. So it's old and going to need a lot of money. But the argument for copper and here's another thing that I think is important for what you do, Bill. 30 years ago, we could be together, spin a globe in our room, go like this, land on a country, go, yeah, we can go mining there. Not anymore. The challenges in certain areas of the world now that didn't exist 20 or 30 years ago, we just saw in Panama, a major mine, basically the painting said, forget the 2% royalty. We want 20% or else you're not getting your license. We're seeing what's happening in certain things in South America and all. It's more challenging. And many of those areas is where copper was normally sought after. So not only is there going to be a a, a large demand for it, people are going to look in a much narrower area and they're going to jive more to North America, I think, than some other places. So if if you put my head to the wall and say you had to pick one over the other, it doesn't mean I don't like gold. I just think copper has a more certainty to me than maybe gold does.
0: And Peter, you now run a sponsor-based website. You have some junior mining companies as sponsors. Before you leave, could you share one company and why did you take them on as a sponsor?
1: Oh, that'd be unfair to the others. But I do have <laughs> okay. I do have a favorite, and I'll tell okay. you why. Okay, with that disclosure, there's a company called American Pacific Mining. They have uh, just taken over a joint venture that uh, another company had with a Japanese smelter in Alaska, a likely soon to be zinc mine, which makes them a company maker. They're also in a very big JV with Rio Tinto in Montana. They're alone, those two companies. Their partners are going to spend about $40 million on the properties this year. That's a lot of money being spent for a junior. Plus, they have two other companies, uh, projects wholly owned that they're drilling. But their CEO, which I shared with you beforehand, I didn't name him and I don't need to name him here. Well, I named the company. So his name is Warwick Smith. If I had to write a book on how a CEO should run a junior resource mining company, it would be him. Because... The difficulty you and I shared earlier is it's much tougher to be a junior resource company now for a lot of different reasons. So the skills of management are more prevalent now than ever. I'm certain that's what you bring out when you look at your companies. And to me, this gentleman is the, is, is what the answer be. It doesn't mean that the others that I have don't match that, but it's very unique that you have this man running it. Plus the elephant hunting that these two juniors, uh, these two majors are doing. That's what you really hope for in a junior. You don't look to double your money in a junior. You can do that in the stock market. You're hoping to make 5, 10, 20 times on your money. And that's swinging for the fences. Knowing that failure is the norm, and 8 out of 10 times, it's not going to happen.
0: Excellent. Well, Peter's website is petergrandich.com. If you're interested in learning more about Peter and his take on the markets, please go over there. And Peter, listeners can also find you on Twitter, can't they?
1: Yes, at Peter Granitz. And if you like an explanation of how to sew your head back after you got killed in the junior market, I'll be glad to share it with you.
0: Thank you for your forthrightness, what you learned, Peter. And uh, thank you for sharing your insights on today's show.
1: Thank you, Bill. God bless. God bless.
0: The mining business is one that generates gigantic wealth. You know, a good drill hole that converts, might cost 50 or $100,000, and it might discover something worth a couple billion. There is no sector that I know of that has offered up as many predictable circumstances uh, where there was the possibility, certainly not the certainty, but the possibility of 10 for one returns as there is in small cap and micro cap mining stocks. Concomitant with that, if you don't do the